24-7. Most non-stop. of the time, I'm always wearing, wearing a hat. A hat. Uh. Clap in. <clears throat> oh, do you have a joke? Of course I have a joke. Okay, sorry. I always have a joke. I actually have a lot of jokes. So we're obviously recording right now. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing of it is, is that since we've been live, like since we've been publishing episodes, people have been giving me jokes. Nice. People have been giving me cow jokes. So uh, Kiera, my wife, one day, just the day after she listened to the first episode of the podcast, the entire day, every time she like got a break at work or had to like use the bathroom or something, she would text me a cow joke. So I got like three like homemade, never heard before cow jokes from my wife. Are they good? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean... Are you going to grace us with one? Eventually? I'm thinking about using one of them right now, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to look at my list real quick. Okay. Riveting. I'm ready. Ready. Ready, Jordan? Ready. I'm ready. Hit me. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Joe. Did you know that you can't actually tip a cow over? Uh, I didn't. I guess that means they're immovable. I talk good. Oh, Jordan knows a single theological term. Watch out, everybody. Reading is such an essential skill to life. How, how is anyone bad at it? Yeah, I'm pumped. Do I have sound pumped? I will play devil's advocate. Yeah. You're not Jesus or Paul. Lay your philosophy uh, on destroy me. Destroy me with your facts and logic. We disagree on just about every, like, secondary major aspect of Christianity. Hey, welcome to the Sacred Cow Podcast. Oh, the Sacred Cow Podcast. Um, did you like that one? I did. <laughs> that was really good. Um, I would like to state for the record, though, I did know that you can't tip cows over. Cow tipping is not a real thing. I didn't know that that wasn't a real thing. I'm going to need yeah. that to get fact checked because I thought it was just the joke. It is not. Cows sleep lying down. They don't sleep standing. Oh, don't horses sleep standing? There are no animals idea. that sleep standing, aren't there? giraffes i think (laughs) i'm gonna need that to get fact checked too hello devout listener what animals sleep standing up email at sacred cows pod (laughs) sacred cows pod at gmail.com yeah is our official email for your like please don't spam us cow tipping needs oh man joe we're talking about heresy yeah welcome back part two it's been a full it's been a hot minute since we. It's talked been a about while it. since yeah. we recorded these. You're but probably okay. getting them back to back, week to week. Right. Just so you know, it has not been a week since we recorded. No, it's been like two weeks. Yeah. So this isn't Maybe like. Three. When's the last time we recorded? It's been a little while. Yeah, man. I don't know. <laughs> um, before we get into that, though, I do need to correct myself because I said, I said, I said, if I said something incorrect, that you could correct me, and I would correct myself on stream. So uh, one of our Catholic listeners pointed out to me that in the animal death episode, animal slow episode, um, I said that the Catholics believe there would be death on the new creation. They do not. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for pointing that out to me. <laughs> uh, she even quoted the catechism at me, stating that there would be no death on the new creation. So I was wrong about I that. I kind of feel like, like looking at this, there should be like a finger snap with it. Yeah. Like yeah. a little bit of sass. Um, actually, Jordan, <laughs> the Catholic catechism actually states that... You would know that if oh. you read the catechism. Get wrecked. 
Yeah. You get so. you just got like fact checked. I know. How does that feel your first fact checking? It feels checking? good. No, I it you know I did ask for it and I welcome it and so I do uh I do actually really truly appreciate it. I know we're joking about it, but thank you, sir. I would like to be out. the most correct as I can possibly be. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Unironic were you making fun of me cuz that's me unironically. No. Yeah, I would like to be the most correct yeah, I can be. Yeah, I would be. I want to be more correct yeah. than less correct. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if I say something yeah. wrong, I'm fully willing and able to you go back that? on what if i said jordan says something wrong he is willing to take it back if i say something demonstrably wrong not if i say something you disagree with there's <laughs> a line there <laughs> well hopefully i mean you say stuff that i disagree with all the time yeah but you don't care about my i don't opinion. care about you <laughs> <laughs> you don't care about being more right according to my opinion yeah <laughs> Your opinion is garbage. Yeah. Um, heresy part two. Joseph, yeah, man. are you excited? Yeah. So the reason that we uh, we we postponed this was there's some big ones on this list, and we're ta- when we talk about heresies, we're talking about early church heresies mostly. Mm-hmm. There's some a few <laughs> newer ones on here, but there's a few that we like actually needed to talk about when you have a heresy pod mm-hmm. podcast episode. Yeah. Um, because uh, they impact the church massively. Mm-hmm. Or at least they have historically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where you want to start? I don't know, man. Anything calling to you specifically? Yeah, Sabellianism. Okay, hit it. It's so. It's the one that everybody commits without realizing it, and mm-hmm. not intentionally. Uh, another word for it is modalism. So I don't think that they're... Are you going to correct me already? That's modalism. That's modalism, Patrick. Yes. Yeah. We actually, at my church, we do a, a Bible Institute class, and we're doing mm-hmm. like basic systematic theology. And we this past week, we covered the Trinity, and our pastor like used that video, and it made me very yeah. happy. <laughs> All their videos are really good. Shout out to uh, Lutheran Satire on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, a much smaller do... YouTube channel than ours. <laughs> <laughs> they do like little... Uh, cartoons that are super funny and super informative yeah so not like super huge budget but they're like really funny yeah they are (laughs) i think it kind of like adds to the to the level of funniness that it's just like (laughs) they're kind of janky yeah they're just (laughs) copy pasted images i'm sorry i'm sure they took a lot of work i don't mean to be a tool about that yeah no they're really good actually go go look at their videos because they're all good uh so uh sabellianism or modalism um, and I know there might be a little bit of a distinction between the two things, but I, I don't really know what that is. So it, please don't uh, send me hate mail. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially it's that God is one God who presents himself in three different ways, Father, Son, and Spirit. So it isn't that he ha- He exists in a you know eternally loving relationship with uh, three equal persons in one. It's mm-hmm. that uh, one God presents himself in three different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So the classic analogy for that is literally like, oh, God is like water, mm-hmm. ice, mist. It's like, oh, it's one thing technically that presents itself in three different ways. Like that's modalism or the egg yeah. one. Mm-hmm. God is like the the shell, the yolk, and the white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or um. Yeah, I guess the leaf clover. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like it's just different. Three different. Three parts. different leaves on a single yeah. clover. Yeah. 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 So we are uh, we're gonna do an entire episode on the Trinity at some point. So <laughs> just one, <laughs> or a couple, I guess. Depends on how long it takes us. But uh, we are gonna talk about the Trinity. Um, a uh, so when we say like most people commit 
this heresy because most people when they explain the trinity they explain it in like modalistic terms they're like it's really hard to not admittedly it's really hard to describe god by analogy Mm -hmm. because god isn't like anything else yeah and the trinity specifically like keep this in mind with every analogy for the trinity is the trinity is not analogous with anything else in creation right can we talk about that for a second um usually when we talk about things like that we call it a paradox meaning something that we can't explain like two things that are like contradictory like how can god be three and one Mm -hmm. um i think that's a really bad way to talk about it like god is not a paradox because he does work a paradox is something that fundamentally doesn't work Mm -hmm. right so we would historically the church has used the term mystery or divine mystery like it's something that is fundamentally unfathomable but we it works and we know it works because of scripture Mm -hmm. um and you know church history and theology and things like that we know that this and philosophy and philosophy honestly we could uh, have i know you hate philosophy i don't i know you can't stand it but uh philosophy has done a lot of the heavy lifting in regards to the trinity so shout out to philosophy being a g (laughs) philosophy your homie philosophy yeah so like when we talk about the trinity like going into it with the recognition that there's a mysterious mystical element to what god is and who god is that we don't really understand and we might never um and not even i should i'll slight correct we understand we don't understand fully. Right, yes. Like, it's not like the Trinity Oof. doesn't make sense or is illogical. It yeah. is completely logically sound, and it does make sense. It's just weird. Yeah. It's weird to us because we're humans. Yeah, I mean, Paul says it best in, in 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. Like, now I see in a mirror dimly, later I'll see face to face. Like, being like, looking at God, this side of creation, and trying to understand them is like looking at a mirror in a dark room. Like, you can't quite make it out, but you know that it's there, and you know that it's real. Um, And there's good things that you can see and talk about and describe, but you don't get like the full picture, right? Because who can like fully fathom God? Because God is an actual infinite. Yeah. (laughs) And we are not. (laughs) Right. So so what I'm trying to say is there are meaningful things that you can say about the Trinity and there are correct things that you can say about the Trinity, but there will always be a mystical element to it that... Yeah. I feel like I really think that we should end up giving the Trinity its own full episode because I think it deserves that full explanation. But now I feel like we have to like actually, because we don't want to, I don't want to just like leave people with like, yeah, this is what the Trinity isn't and then not explain what the Trinity is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like we should talk about the Trinity a little bit. Okay. Do you want to do that right now? Yeah, we can do that right now. Go for it. So let's talk about the Trinity since we're in the middle of this modalism conversation. Give me the basics, Jordan. So the Trinity is, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity is how we understand God and God's existence. So, so the orthodox view of the Trinity that is not heresy is that God exists as one God and three persons eternally, co-eternally. That is very weird and difficult for us to fathom that like one God, three persons, make that make sense right do it right now (laughs) (laughs) make that make sense so um what what the philosophically what we would say or the terminology that we would use is that god has one essence one god essence and he exists in three persons eternally so uh 
I could, we could talk a long, a long, long time about essence and what essence is. Essentially, it just means that everything fundamental to the idea of being God mm-hmm. is God's essence. So, right. uh, in each person of the Trinity has every fundamental distinction of being God mm-hmm. singularly. So, um, one of my old professors used to always uh to kind of explain it he talk about like the will and god's will so we as humans each have our own individual wills mm-hmm. and but the persons of the trinity share one will mm-hmm. you just have god you have god's will and they all share in that same will so but yeah anyways that's so that's the important thing to keep in mind when people talk about the trinity the the orthodox way of explaining the trinity is one god three persons and same essence same essence, same singular one essence, three persons. And uh, that's a little difficult. I'm sure we will talk about it more at some point in the future, definitely. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a thing where we'll read the whole Nicene Creed. Yeah. And we'll like talk about what that means. Yep. And how like fundamentally like life giving that ends up being for the church. Yeah. We could even put up uh, maybe some like uh, some like pictures on screen. We can do the classic uh triangle where it's like yeah man we Jesus used that is in the not class the father is yeah not, the, the spirit the, is not the, the athanasian son. model of the trinity yeah uh is god uh is not uh yeah so, uh if you want to do that we got to get a guy a guy for our uh for our a producer no 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 not a producer <laughs> we got to get an image guy oh an image guy. <laughs> yeah a guy to <laughs> yeah. make like graphs and stuff for <laughs> us yeah <laughs> that's so funny you're just giving yourself more work though you realize that dude that's story of my life am i right you're just, just making more work for yourself myself more work yeah that'll preach but anyways so we're, when we're talking about modalism that's what it is it's an incorrect understanding of the trinity so, yeah and the, the reason that it's an incorrect understanding is because it's saying that there's just one god that presents in three different ways not that there's multiple distinct persons in the godhead right yeah yeah and we don't need to really talk about the modern equivalent of that because like I was in my my it's pretty modern my freshman level theology class, um, and it's just I understand that people use analogies to try and help children like understand, yeah, the Trinity, um, and there's arguments like for that. It's like, oh well, it's fine. It's just they they need to be able to understand it in a reasonable way, and I. Like when I was younger, I would use stuff like that too. Obviously, when you're like a teenager and you're trying to help teach about like that's the only thing that you know how to do is to explain that God is like mm-hmm. <laughs> water, mist, and ice. Yeah. Um, I just don't know. Like, I'm not trying to like be a douchebag to other people. Like, maybe don't do that. Like, mm-hmm. there's meaningful things that we can say about God and just be honest with kids and say like, listen, like, there's something that is difficult about this. That doesn't mean that we can't understand it but it means that it's going to be challenging in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I'm not and condemning people who do use that analogy because I relate to that because I do ministry as well, and sometimes you get hit with a question. Like, I w- we were writing back from a youth event the other week, and one of the kids there was like, I didn't know Jesus was God. God is God, and Jesus is Jesus. And I was like, no, Jesus is God. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, God is God. And so we were like driving in my car, having a conversation about the Trinity. And like in that moment, it was difficult to help him understand in the best way possible, like what we believe around the Trinity. But I can relate to that is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's better 
and I fall into this trap too because like obviously you want to explain stuff to people to the best of your ability when in doubt it is better to just go one essence three persons and just leave it at that and like there is a certain level of humility I feel like you need to have where people are if like you don't know the specific answer or how it would work specifically in the godhead just be like you know I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. But I do know one essence, three persons. That's what I know. And like, you can have a follow-up to that, right? Like, I don't know. I'm going to do some research on my own, figure out exactly what I believe, and I'll get back to you on. Mm-hmm. Like, that's okay to do. Like, in yeah. that moment. Just make sure that you actually have that follow-up conversation. Like, right. Mm-hmm. That's important. Humility. It's important. It can be grace. Grace-filled. Yeah. And so that's our humble. little mini rant on the Trinity. Yeah. That's modalism. That's that modalism, is modalism Patrick. Patrick. All right. You want to break down Arianism because that's the big. <laughs> Arianism is like the granddaddy church heresy mm-hmm. uh, and the church heresy that absolutely refuses to die. Yeah. In their oh, a church. lot of them absolutely refuse to die, but Arianism is like <laughs> actually absolutely refuses to die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,. Do you want to? I've been talking for a long time, I think. Do you want to take this one? You want me to go for it? Yeah. Okay. So, Arianism by Arius in the early church is actually the reason for the first church ecumenical council. True. Uh, so, Arianism is, I'm just going to, you know what? Let's just go there. Let's go to that passage in Colossians, right? Yeah. Because I want to be very specific about this. I don't actually know of too many. Well, that's not true. Hold up. So, cut that. I do know. <laughs> you do know. I do know of people who believe stuff like this. Okay. So Arius is, I forget where he's, he's you know, a bishop, but he's a bishop somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so forgive me. I don't remember. But he's trying to rationalize things like the Trinity before theology like, Ash, like Jordan and I just explained. Uh, he's trying to rationalize what God is like before... Um, theology like that is solidified in the church and so he's reading colossians and he finds this one passage beginning in colossians 1 verse 15 uh it says paul writes he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation so arius takes that firstborn and he dials that up to the nth degree and tries to rationalize that one passage with the rest of scripture. And he walks away and says, Jesus is a created being because he's the firstborn of all creation. The father created Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so he's not the same. He is still a spiritual divine creature, but he's different than the father in that the father created Jesus. Right. Um, and so that's sort of like, springs off and off and uh actually becomes super super pervasive in the early church so much so that it becomes almost 50 50 uh and eventually the first church the ecumenical council which just means gathering right like the mm-hmm. ecclesiology like all the churches gather together and talk about what they first believe which i believe happens in ad 345 i have in my notes uh 325 is nicaea isn't it is it? We're gonna. Jordan's gonna lie. Fact check me. I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, 325. Okay, I got the date wrong on my notes. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in 325, yeah, 345 seems super late, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. 325, uh, the Council of Nicaea under, I believe it's Constantine that calls it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he gets all the, because he gets annoyed because he becomes converted and he's hearing two different things about Jesus and who Jesus is. So the church is like, well, it's legal to be a Christian now. So we're all going to get in one room together and we're going to argue about... uh, what we actually believe and Not so fear for our lives <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so arius thinks he's got a slam dunk mm-hmm. and he goes to the council and i believe he or one of his disciples just lays out like scripture and they bring the book of colossians right and he explains what he believes and I don't know if this is true or not this is what i was told in my history class like bishops get up and tear their clothes Mm-hmm. And like declare him anathema, and then spend the rest of the council like arguing about it. Yeah, it's um, something that's very a very common concept uh, in theology and theological studies and debating theology is this concept of like I don't know what's right, but I know you're wrong, <laughs> <laughs> and that's essentially what their reaction was to Arius. Like we don't have a fully fleshed out view of the trinity or uh how jesus works yet but we know for a fact you are not correct (laughs) yeah and when you have like most of the known church like all almost unanimously because there's still there are still people there who like side with arius right yeah uh almost unanimously being like independently because like think let's think about this for a second like you know about the five patriarchal cities in, in the church right um no i don't think so you know okay so there becomes like five hubs of theology in the early church, you have Rome, uh, Constantinople, Antioch, Jerusalem, and um, there's one in Egypt. Cairo, uh, Alexandria. Alexandria. And those those become like the five main churches in the ancient world. And they sort of all independently in the beginning uh, go along a similar trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you get like bishops from all of those different places who hear this for the first time. And, like, they can't contact each other, like, quickly, right? Like, we can in a modern era uh, where we can just, like, call people who live in different countries and stuff. But so, like, they're all developing their theology and their understanding of, like, who God is. And they all finally get in a room together. And they're like, yeah, it's not that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, almost independently, right? Mm-hmm. You know, with some interaction with, like, Arius and stuff like that prior to. But right. anyway, so uh, basically we get the Nicene Creed out of that, which is like the essentially only unanimously agreed upon document, Mm -hmm. except for maybe the Apostles' Creed, which there's some debate about the Apostles' Creed, I think, like in terms of like where it came from. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a little bit of like, I say like unanimously agreed upon church document. There's a little bit like, some word changes that different denominations will use and stuff like that. But yeah, so you have, uh, you have the Nicene Creed, the creed created at the Council of Nicaea in 325, and then later on, I think it's Constantinople. They make an addition to it, like they add on a line. Yeah the the filioque clause. Yes. They so part of the hello zipper. Uh, you like our mascot? everybody he's back he's back he's been missing for a couple episodes but he's here <laughs> to, to, uh, i just want to talk about that for like two <laughs> seconds <laughs> like 
we the cats were everywhere the first few episodes we recorded yeah and then because we hadn't released any yeah. episodes i started like locking them away in the room because they were like jumping on the table and like shaking everything being super being, distracting being or whatever. super distracting so i was like i don't really want them to like be around and distract from the podcast too much but they are so prominent in the first <laughs> couple episodes and i'm like i can't yeah they're, like they're everybody thought our unofficial they were, mascot everybody thought that they were like hilarious yeah they were like oh well i guess we have cats again now. <laughs> yeah we have to leave them in so if they jump on the table and mess everything up, this is your fault. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, so the Filioque Lake Clause is, uh, so in the beginning of the Nicene Creed, and you can correct me, I actually don't remember which way it is, but mm-hmm. it's an issue of like who send is, does the spirit and does Jesus proceed from the father or is it just the spirit that proceeds from the father? Yeah. So the the original Nicene Creed had like next, it said next to nothing about the Holy Spirit. It mm-hmm. essentially just said, and we believe in the Holy Spirit and that's it. <laughs> so the, the um, addition and it is uh, Constantinople is where they make this addition. But the addition like fleshes out the portion about the Holy Spirit more and actually like kind of which is still not actually that (laughs) that much (laughs) right 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 yeah so yeah do you want to just read the Nicene Creed while we're here because it's like super topical to what we're talking about yeah so I got in front of me um I don't know if this is the the right one or not but I'm just gonna read this and you can correct me if you hear something that's wrong I have both the original and the revised in front of me okay just read the original then So the original in 325 reads, we believe in one God, the father almighty maker of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the son of God begotten of the father, the only, but the only begotten that is of the essence of the father, God of God, light of light, very God of very God begotten, not made consubstantial with the father by whom all things were made both in heaven and on earth who for us men and our salvation came down and was incarnate and was made man. He suffered, and on the third day he rose again, ascended into heaven. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead, and in the Holy Spirit. That's it? Uh, That is it. Sorry, it's broken up like line by line, if you can see here. So that's why it was like a little bit difficult to read. But yeah, that's that's the original creed. So you can tell that they were mostly focused on Jesus, right? <laughs> like the they're addressing Arianism and they don't actually care all that much about God, the father, or the Holy spirit. Right. Cause they just, <laughs> the, the last line is, and we believe in the Holy spirit. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I'm looking at them here. I have a question for our Catholic listeners. Mm-hmm. You can teach me something. So, uh, what was your friend's name? Sarah, Sarah mm-hmm. and your husband, you Chris. can, Chris, Sarah and Chris, you can shout out hit me up with the answer to this question. I am on this website with his, which is like a, a Catholic uh, conference, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know if this is real or not, but there's a line here added about You don't know if Catholics are real? No, no, no. I don't know if this is like a trust trustworthy source. <laughs> yeah. because <laughs> uh, I'm not Catholic. <laughs> it sounds official to me, but there's a line here added about the church. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess Mm -hmm. one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life in the world to come. Mm -hmm. Is that like part of the modern, like Nicene Creed? Yeah. 
Is it really? Mm-hmm. I thought it ended with the Holy Spirit. Nope. Am I crazy? Uh, I don't think so. I've always known the really. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. I rescind the question. <laughs> but if you have any thoughts on the Nicene Creed and how rad it is, yeah. Okay. I would... Isn't there There's usually so many... something about the baptism for the remission of sins? Where's the... oh forgiveness yeah. of sins? They just translated it. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission okay. of sins. We looked for the resurrection of the, of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Okay. Am I crazy? I think you're crazy, man. Man, I'm having a brain fart. Okay. I'm sorry. It's all right. It happens to the best of us. You this is good radio. <laughs> a couple uh, minutes ago when I was like, what are you talking about when you say uh, substance? substance? <laughs> Were you like, like... I was like, I know this correlates with something and I cannot remember what you're actually talking yeah, about, though. Subst- yeah. I mean, the substance of Christ being the same substance of the Father is important. Yeah. 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 So all right. So that so that's Arianism is that Christ is a created being, right? And then you have the Nicene Creed that's like, no, he's not a created being. He's begotten of the Father. Yeah, but not created. So let's talk about that word for a minute. Yeah, because begotten is important because I've had questions about this in classes and things that I've taught, mm-hmm. um, where people have like, begotten sort of has like a making and or a fashioning element to us in modern english mm-hmm. can you sort of break down why that's not the case for us like what does it mean when we say that christ is begotten of the father yeah um that's a good question i don't know how uh how credentialed i am to answer that um as far as i understand it you, you run into some issues when you're trying to understand god because if you if you're an orthodox christian you believe that jesus has existed co-eternally with the father right the trinity has existed for time eternity into the past they've always been there the three persons have always been there and have always existed so you can't say that the father created jesus because that's not true because he's always existed so he wasn't created at some point uh and so as far as I understand it, the word begotten here just simply means like he is from the Father or he is um, of the same substance of the Father, uh, which is kind of difficult for us to understand how you could have a relationship that's like, because I think it is, I think the word father and son are used very specifically. And so I think it is very similar to like a father son relationship where your son is of you. Like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, he's a little you, which is difficult for us to understand without that little you like being created. And how does it work that that little you has existed eternally into the past? Mm-hmm. Uh, which if you haven't gotten this by now, you should know that Christology, which is the study of Christ, is very, very difficult. In fact, I would say it's one of the most difficult really? theological fields, period. It's pr- it can it's it's hard. It can get kind of messy. I was going to say uh, pneumatology or the study of the Holy Spirit is probably the most challenging one, I think. Really? Yeah, because there's like so little comparatively. I guess. I guess it's like you have so little and then you have christ which is like the entire difficult yeah. <laughs> everything <laughs> hard so I, I so I, but um that's yeah that's how i understand it that he when we use the term begotten 
the Greek there doesn't necessarily imply that Jesus is created or Jesus was like born from the Father. It just means he is of the same substance from the Father. Yeah, I kind of take that as a, a status indication. Yeah. Because it says like begotten, not made, right? So, I mean, even, even in this passage in Colossians, which is Arius's main gripe when he says the firstborn, we mm-hmm. say the firstborn in status, but right. not like actually, meaning that in all things, Christ is preeminent. He is the first, like we follow him in all things. We're following his example. And, yeah, the yeah. exalted one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just so you know, begotten doesn't mean, that's why it, it even puts the, the distinction in there, begotten, not made. Mm-hmm. God did not make yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So yeah, so if we're good with that, what's the modern equivalent of Arianism? Arianism is still kind of around. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't really gone anyway. Although I feel like we reckon the Orthodox Church recognizes it as heretical. Yeah, still. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And this is, I think, there's a lot of issue. There's a lot of theological issues with. Um, I will call them christian sex i know some people call them cults um i don't want to be derogatory towards people who might be listening and who identify with these um with these religions but that's why christian sects such as jehovah's witnesses or mormons Mm -hmm. um this is one of the main reasons that they can't we can't really consider them orthodox christians among a lot of other reasons but one of the big reasons is um Mormons and especially Jehovah's Witnesses are very Aryan in nature. So Jehovah's Witnesses explicitly believe that the sun was created. Um, and Mormons, it's a little bit more difficult, but they like kind of do and they're, they have different They have a problem, in my out. understanding, saying that Jesus is God. <sighs> yeah, and even what they mean by God is like kind of different, different from than what, what we, we mean, mean by God. By God. Yeah. And yeah, it's just so... Um, it's still around in that way. And even like you were saying, like there's a lot of Christians today alive who I think implicitly believe that Jesus was created from God. Yeah. The problem is with a lot of this stuff. If you don't know that it's a heresy, like maybe you've never actually talked or studied about studied the Trinity. Like if you don't know, like heresies are willful, right? Like we talked about it. I'm, you're never blamed or held accountable really for something that you don't know post salvation. Like you should study your faith and understand like what scripture says and understand your theology. So study the Trinity and maybe you'll realize that you believe like unspoken things that you had never thought about before or talked about before. Like, Oh, Jesus is like created or God presents himself in three different ways. Like, yeah. The problem with heresy is that people like don't understand that it's a fundamentally willful thing. Like mm-hmm. after Arius is confronted and the church decides this is not what we believe, he continues to teach. Yeah. Like that's what makes him a heretic and that's what makes it heresy is that he doesn't recant and he continues to teach this even though the church has fundamentally agreed that it's by majority that this is not correct teaching. Yeah. So, which there's uh, a lesson in that. Yeah. <laughs> about being wrong and having humility when you are wrong right have a willingness and to be corrected i recognize because i've been corrected multiple times in my life yeah by people that i love and i care about and even when it's done in the most charitable loving kind way it doesn't feel good right um and i resonate and have empathy for that um i've been corrected by some 
<laughs> people that I love and care about over some very like strong issues in my life that I needed to confront that I wasn't mm-hmm. willing to. Yeah. So uh, part of God's grace is that uh, even though it hurts, it will get better if you continuously follow after Christ. Yep. So, yeah. Nobody likes being wrong. Yeah. It's not enjoyable <laughs> to be wrong. It is not enjoyable to be, be wrong. So that's Arianism. Yeah. It gets rejected, but it stays around <laughs> it gets, for like, a while. straight up rejected. Um, um, man. I don't think it's Nicaea. Is it Nicaea? You can start talking about the next one while I look this up. I have a thought. Okay. We talked about Apollinarianism because that was the one last week or whenever when you were like, oh, I've never heard of this before. The, mm-hmm. the God and the Bod theology. Yeah. Where it's Jesus's uh, divinity and humanity are separate. Mm-hmm. So like God just inhabits or Jesus just inhabited a physical body. I don't really know if there's a modern equivalent to that, but I'm just breezing by that one because it was next on our list. Yeah. Um, it is Nicaea, supposedly at Nicaea, uh, St. Nicholas, whom we get the story of Santa Claus from derivatively over the years. Supposedly, uh, St. Nick punched Arius in the face at the <laughs> Council of Nicaea because he was so PO'd at him. Nice. For spouting heresies. Um I don't think that's actually true. I don't think there's actually like historical evidence for that, but it's it's a funny We don't story. have the nobody took notes. Yeah, I don't think um, there were no stenographers. I think the issue with that story is that Saint Nick wasn't actually at the Council of Nicaea, I don't think. Yeah. But I, that's the first time I've ever heard anybody say that just yeah. now. So it's a story that I've heard a couple of times and gets passed around. And it's funny, even if it's not true. Okay. Um I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. Unless you try theism, try theism was next on our list, which is just polytheism. We believe in one God. We believe in one God. Christians are monotheists. Um, and if you uh, actually, I have to deal with this a lot uh, in my program since I'm dealing with Abrahamic religions. This is a big sticking point with Muslims and Jews mm-hmm. for Christianity because Muslims and Jews think that we're, we're uh, tritheists or polytheists. And they disagree that we're uh, monotheists, which is interesting. And we don't have time to explore all the nuances of that, but we are monotheists. It's just super interesting, especially with Jews, because there's basically one thing in the entirety of Jewish doctrine that they don't argue about. Yeah. It's like, hero is real, the Lord your God is one. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the first, like, and and if you could read, like, uh, any, like, Jewish rabbi arguments, they always start with, like, listen... We all can agree about like this thing that there's one God, so yeah. it just makes sense to me that like because it's such a fundamental part of the Torah, right? right. That like God is you worship one God. You yeah. don't have any idols. You don't have any other statues. You worship no other deities that your neighbors are worshiping. You worship Yahweh, one mm-hmm. God. So yeah. that's all I have to say about that. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, Nestorianism? Uh, or no, you can talk about Nestorianism. <laughs> Jordan's like, I've never heard of some of these heresies before. I've heard of Nestorianism. I'm going to be, I'm going to keep it 100 with you, G. I don't know enough about it to like ad- adequately talk about I it. I can just but. sum it up. It's condemned in the first council of Ephesus. Uh, Nestorianism, in my understanding, is that the divinity of Christ so his divinity is held separately from his humanity. So we talk, it's, it's, we're trying to rationalize how the sin nature 
of being born in human form does not delude the deity of God or does not pollute it in some way. Yeah. And so what we say is that, oh, they're, he's not, I don't even want to say that he, it's not that they're 100%. It's that they're separate. So there's no historianism hypo- is saying this right to clarify. Right. Yeah. It's that there's no hypostatic union, which is our fancy dancy way of saying like Christ is 100% God, 100% man together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that the divinity of Christ is protected uh, by itself essentially and isn't tainted by a sin nature. Yeah. Like his divinity is like hidden and, and separate and yeah. not, not the same. Right. We don't believe that. We believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Right. That is the proper terminology. Kind of like with the Trinity. If anybody ever asks you to explain, just say Jesus is fully God and fully man. Even with the um, the 100% terminology, that is technically incorrect because something can't be two 100% yes, at the same time. But I think it's more helpful. Yeah. Because like saying fully is just like oh so i don't know it's just helpful to say 100 percent in my mind because it means mm-hmm. there's nothing left up to an interpretation yeah when we talk about this stuff and this kind of feeds into the trinity too it's important to uh, when we think about this we need to think about in terms of like what essentially doesn't mean to be human and what essentially doesn't mean to be god and so when we say jesus is fully god and fully man we say jesus think of all the criteria that you would have to have in order to be God, mm-hmm. right? Jesus has all that criteria and think of all the criteria you would have to have to be a human. Jesus also has all those criteria. Cause mm-hmm. I think we think of it as like two mutually exclusive things that you can't be both. Uh, and that's not what it means. Right. It just means that Jesus fulfills all criteria to be both. God that's a really and good man. way of looking at it. Yeah, dude, philosophy. I like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't really, I don't know of a modern equivalent for that. Nobody really dives that deeply into the Trinity and Christ. They usually just yeah. accept it or not at this point. Yeah, I don't know if any uh, modern equivalent to Nestorianism. But which which heresy was like God's divinity is a drop or his humanity is a drop in the bucket of his divinity? Do you remember that? I think that might be Nestorianism, but I'm not sure. Um. I think it might be Nestorianism. Another thing to keep in mind, because we're not going through the whole like church history of all these movements, is that even a lot of these heresies were not monolithic in nature. So you would have like Arian, and not like actual schools, but people who considered themselves Arian who would disagree with other people who considered themselves Arian. So you have heretics like infighting with each other about the very specifics of their heresy. So it's not monolithic uh, in uh, most of these, most of these heresies, uh, which is a good thing to keep in mind. And eventually we might talk, we might get into history a little bit more in depth um, and like the specific movements of these heresies, but we just don't have time for yeah, that today. So. Sorry. With Arianism especially, we talked about it because Arianism is the the heresy that refuses to die. Yeah. Like, because he gets ba- basically banished from the Roman world, so he becomes a missionary, and he mm-hmm. goes, like, into Europe and starts evangelizing. So you have, like, mass conversions yep. of people to Arian Christianity and stuff like that. There was one, Ufalos. 
Ufalos. Ufalos was an, I believe, was an, was a, <laughs> was an Aryan Christian who converted like the Germanic tribes, hmm. if I remember correctly, and he was a missionary. So in some sense, he's trying to be faithful, but yeah. like a it's lot almost of the like God Christians, works all things, yeah, together for good. Yeah, crazy, huh? Uh, but like the, the crazy thing about Aryans is that they are much better at evangelism than Orthodox Christians. Are. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty terrible. You do, <laughs> you get into a little bit there a couple years uh, post Constantine Christianity, where Christians seem to be more uh, concerned with like building up Rome mm-hmm. than they are with reaching the lost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I mean. Uh, is not great. It's why In we fact, say that the church is built on the backs of the martyrs, right? Because right. like persecution brings evangelism. Yeah, it yeah. just does. It's it's it is really it's a really funny mental picture to me to imagine that like the when the church is safe and isn't being persecuted and killed constantly, they turn kind of crappy, <laughs> just like kind of instantly. <laughs> <laughs> which is not to say like they weren't actually obviously there were still missionaries and stuff that that went on but just in general broad sweeping terms right and i mean <laughs> historically speaking american christianity has sent out a ton of mission we don't not as much as we used to but mm-hmm. now people are sending missionaries here yeah. but <laughs> we used to like send out missionaries all the time and america was like very favorable to christianity so, yeah i mean take with that what you will mm-hmm. okay Ah, we get to another granddaddy. Pelagianism. Pelagianism. It's so your turn. this is what, uh, Pelagianism is what Joe accuses me of being all the time. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I have I'm never kidding. looked you in the eye. In <laughs> fact, I specifically, when we were doing our Calvinist-Arminian conversation, yeah. made you specify that you weren't a Pelagian. I am not a Pelagian. And I did that not for me. Yeah. But for everybody else, so that you could be clear and then nobody you. would accuse you of being a heretic. I'm not a heretic. Um, as far as I know, I guess I should say. <laughs> I'm not willfully a heretic. Um, Pelagianism uh, comes from this guy named Pelagius. He lived during the same time as Augustine or Augustine. Um, and Pelagian had this wacky, crazy idea. So... Uh, he was teaching, and he was a prominent teacher, and he comes to the conclusion eventually that theoretically, if humans were good enough, they could live a sinless life. Like, mm-hmm. he thought, through sheer willpower, nothing is forcing you to sin, so you could technically live a sinless life. But, if, you, but you never would. Right, but, yeah. you nev- but you never would. Yeah. Um, but he's like, yeah, it's possible to live a sinless life, technically. Uh, and then you have a little bit of grumbling from church leaders, but it isn't really till Augustine starts engaging with him that everybody turns on this. And Augustine is like, uh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. So, um, and I, I feel like the Augustine versus Pelagius debate is not something that a lot like it's something that a lot of christians nowadays talk about but i don't feel like a lot of them actually understand what the issue was um so it's not because we like to like bring it into our modern context right and this is why you get when arminians and calvinists debate a lot um not all not broadly 
but sometimes Calvinists will accuse Arminians of being Pelagians because they're like, well, through your free will, you think that you could never sin. Like, that's possible for you to not ever sin, which makes you Pelagian or semi-Pelagian. Um, which is why issue, I said when we were going over the orig- the Calvinism-Arminian conversation, I can detect no discernible on-paper difference between their view of the Arminian and the Calvinist view of, like, total depravity. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's pretty uniform across the board. Everybody recognizes that we're born into sin. Right. Right. And that, so, that it's not possible. Non-parse, non-picar. Yeah. Not possible not to sin. So... I think is how it's said. Uh, Pelagian has this belief, and then he and Augustine argue back and forth a little bit through their writings, because um, Pelagian pretty stubbornly is like, no, it is theoretically possible for somebody to live a sinless life. Um, and w- why this is such a huge issue, what he's saying by this essentially, and this is what uh, uh, Augustine... I'm just going to keep switching back and forth between Augustine and Augustine, um, but what he calls him out you on... You just got to commit, bro. I know. The problem is, I know everybody is like, oh, it's actually pronounced Augustine. I just hate that. I think Augustine sounds way better. <laughs> so, um, You think Augustine sounds better than Augustine? Yeah. Augustine? Okay. I don't know, man. Augustine but sounds anyways, like a girl's name, and Augustine sounds like a boy's name. I'm just going to use Augustine from now on. What Augustine calls him out on is Augustine is like, if it was even theoretically possible for a human to live a sinless life, then Christ died in vain. Right. And so what Augustine says is essentially to Pelagius is like, you are killing Christ in vain. God did not need to die if it was possible for a human to live a sinless life. Um, and so that's what the heresy is, that you think that you could live a sinless life and get to heaven of your own merit on your own cord through your own choices. Mm-hmm. And you didn't need God to die to save you. That's Pelagianism. Unfortunately, uh, it's condemned at the Council of Carthage in AD 419, which you can fact check me on again if you want. The unfortunate part of that is that's not a unanimous church council. Yeah. So not everybody's invited to that. And I don't Mm -hmm. think Augustine can get everybody to come to that. Um, Yeah. Because it's mostly, in my understanding, it's mostly rising up in sort of the African uh, area of the church like down mm-hmm. and so like because augustine is in hippo mm-hmm. right so uh which is a town not an animal uh <laughs> a town in africa a town in africa that he's bishop over which is actually kind of like a nowhere town right augustine's cool because like he studies in some really cool places but like mm-hmm. he does most of his work like in a small town yeah just trying to be a faithful once bishop. he gets to hippo he's there pretty much like yeah his entire life and that's why we call yeah. him like augustine of hippo right because yeah. that's like his place where he like hangs out it's and hippo crazy. is like crazy. edge of the empire middle of nowhere yeah i think if you like look it up on a map too it's like it's near alexandria mm-hmm. but it's not like you you kind of get the idea it's like augustine would be in alexandria if he was anywhere right right so yeah but it, it, I think there actually is another Augustine of Alexandria, if I'm not mistaken. I think there are a couple uh, yeah. Augustines throughout church history. Yeah. But we're talking about like Augustine of Hippo. Right. So uh, I don't think he can get everybody to show up at the council. And it's mostly an issue like in the more southern African area of uh, Christendom at the time. So he, he condemns it, um, but it, it doesn't like die. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can't, I don't think he can get Pelagian... <laughs> 
banished like Arius was because yeah. like it's not like a unanimous church council. Yeah, so. I don't think Pelagian was ever anathematized until like after his death. Yeah. We did eventually do it, I think. Um but I don't think he was ever like declared a heretic in his lifetime. And I might be completely wrong about that. I'm looking it up now. But uh I don't think that was the case. Anyways. I just know that the main sticking point that I'm trying to get away with is that the Council of Carthage is kind of debated and not everybody was present there. What's debated about it is whether or not it was an actual legitimate council. Um, so is it the Council of Carthage or the Council of Orange? It's Carthage, right? I think so. Okay. I apologize if I've made a mistake. But so it's not like universally panned across the church is, what I'm try- is all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. As much as Augustine would have liked it to be. Yeah. And it probably should have been. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, And I do want to just mention it's a level against Catholics a lot of the time that they're mostly Pelagian. Have you not heard that? Uh, I haven't. No? No. Because in my standard growing up, it wasn't oh, that we thought like Armenian. works of faith. And, yeah. yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't the level against, I'm not saying that this is what Catholics believe. I <laughs> emphatically love Catholics. <laughs> I'm not saying that this is what I Catholics believe. I don't think believe. you're Pelagian. When I was growing up, the level for Pelagianism wasn't at Arminians. It was at Catholics. Hmm. Is that because of the works and the idea that works still matter? Like, It's kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah. I'm not saying that yeah. I believe that, by the way. I'm just saying that. Because yeah. obviously it's a ca- I would like to Catholic state, heresy. I completely disagree with that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. I guess I... So I was Arminian, so I grew Soft up Pelagianism. accused of Pelagianism. I'm sorry. Like a lot. I'm sorry that Not that like personally, but that was like... You Pelagianist. That was like what you always heard in the like intellectual sphere. Is like mm-hmm. Arminians are Pelagians. It's well, like, we had okay. to talk about that in like our church history class mm-hmm. about the Catholic thing. Because mm-hmm. our professor also taught Catholic studies. Our church history professor taught... In my Protestant school taught Catholic studies. Mm-hmm. So he was just like... Catholics are not Pelagian and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. Soft Pelagian or whatever. It's Semi. Like, I freaking hate. I hate when people are accused of like soft something. Yeah. Or like partial. Yeah. It's just like either they do or they don't. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not soft anything about it. What you basically, when you call somebody a soft something, is you're just scared to call them the full thing. Because you know it's not true. Because you know, but you want to accuse instinctively them of not true. It's like partial yeah. preterism or full preterism. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm a partial preterist. Hold the phone. <laughs> I don't think we are, we're on the same page with what that means. Like, yeah. it's, I just it's kind of like accusing somebody of being like a semi murderer. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're what, a half murderer. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying that this is actually what you believe, even though you say this is not what you believe. Right. Yeah. You just don't realize that you actually no, believe this. No, this is what you believe, even though it's not, you're not saying this. This is the, oh my gosh. Just, man. Sure. That's just, <laughs> this is like a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. I didn't, that I just thought about it in this moment is like, it really annoys me when people say stuff like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Bad that. Bad faith arguing. Yeah. I'm sure that it's friends. true, like in some sense, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we're sort of like rolling to the end. I don't really want to talk about this next one because I don't think it matters too much. Yeah, uh, who cares? You want to talk about Protestantism? Yeah, can the we just... So we've been really nice to Catholics this episode. Time to go in on Let's Catholics. go in on this one. Protestantism was declared... Okay, 
What's a Protestant? A Protestant uh, is a broad term that refers to any person who was formerly of the Catholic, uh, the historical Catholic denomination who has since left Catholicism and kind of done their own thing. Uh, so it's pretty synonymous with reformed or a reformer, although not entirely, but it's just literally anybody. Cause you have to understand in church history, you had like the Catholic church, you had one church, one singular denomination, and then you have the great schism. And then there are two, there's Eastern Orthodox <clears throat> and Catholicism. We're going to brush over that very briefly, but kind of mostly, especially in Europe, you have one church, you have Catholics, and then you have, uh, Martin Luther which this is very broad stroking history because there's a lot of like proto reformers that lead up to Martin like, Luther, but uh, Martin Luther is like the big one where he's like, "Who's your hey. favorite proto reformer?" Uh, I think um, what's his name? Hughes, Huss, Huss, Jan yeah. Huss. Yes, very cool. Because his big his shtick is pretty cool. Was the uh, he was like Catholics are not giving communion enough yeah because they were doing it like once a year and he's like you guys need to share christ more often with than the that. people and that was his big th- it, anyways he's Jan so Hus cool gets burned at the stake by the way as a heretic <laughs> it's very rough anyways so you have martin luther who essentially sparks this entire movement where he's like uh we're not going to be catholic we're going to be christians who aren't part of the catholic church which is like which, unheard of i will say martin luther is not trying to start another church the 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 idea of being a reformer is that you're trying to reform the church, like yeah. And there had been reformations prior to the Protestant Reformation where people had said, like, oh, this is not something that we believe. We want yeah. to like enact change in Christianity. I am very heavily broad brushing right. history. Like yeah. we are going through it at a breakneck speed <laughs> here. So this is not <laughs> completely definitive <laughs> church history, but essentially you get the you get eventually you get the Protestant Reformation where you have um, people break off from the Catholic Church, and there's a lot of argumentation and back and forth before that happens, and then eventually the the split occurs, um, and so that leads into eventually the Catholics hold the Council of Trent where um, Protestants, people who are not part of the Catholic Church, are anathematized, uh, which means we are essentially declared salvationless. We cannot enter heaven. Yeah. So anybody who traces their lineage back to the Reformation and who holds the Reformation in high esteem is considered a Protestant. Yeah. So if you're not Eastern Orthodox and you're not Catholic, you're probably a Protestant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even... People get confused about this. Yeah. The Church of England is Protestant. It's, yeah. It happens post-Reformation. The Anglican Church? Yes. The Actually, Anglican Church the, uh, is Protestant. What is their book? The Church, uh, the Book of Common Prayer? Yeah, that's like a Protestant document. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the main Protestant documents that you'll have to study if you study like church history and stuff like that. Yeah. I had to look at that. In so essentially, if you're not Orthodox and you're not Catholic, you are Protestant. Right. So it's... <sighs> These are blanket terms. Yeah. Okay. It's not a denomination. Yeah. It's a blanket term to describe a branch. And within Protestantism, as you should know, (laughs) there is an incredible division. Like, there's tons of different types of Protestants. Yeah. But essentially... Yeah, go for it. 
I was just going to say, eventually we will talk about Protestantism in depth a lot because I think it's really interesting and really important for people to understand, uh, especially Protestants, to understand their history because Protestants don't like history for some reason. Um, Well, evangelicals don't like history, in my experience. I think that that's fair to say. There are Protestant denominations like Presbyterians and Lutherans that care more, and uh, Episcopalians Mm -hmm. that care more about church history and tradition than yeah than evangelicals do um essentially um to get back on track (laughs) uh you have the council of trent protestants are declared anathema this has (sighs) i really don't want to get into this right now but we're going to this is a little difficult you have vatican ii in the 50s which is a catholic council and in vatican ii the pope declares that protestants okay are separated brethren so the church's stance is that protestants are saved or probably saved we're just not part of the one true church and we should still come back to the one true church here's my issue with that and again i don't mean this as like a personal critique to any catholic listeners my issue with that is that trent has never been recanted Mm -hmm. yeah trent still stands in in my understanding when he says separated Separated brethren in Vatican II, that is not a declaration. How so? I think he's just offhandedly referring to Protestants as separated brethren. He's not declaring them to be recognized as separated brethren. Isn't it included in the official? It might be. I don't know. That's just what I've I've heard. Yeah. I don't know. My my problem is because Trent still stands, it was not... um, I forget the official word isn't recanted. There's a overturned. different. It was not. Trent has not been overturned. So officially, to the Catholic Church, Protestants are separated brethren, but, but also still anathema. anathematized. And by the way, anathema is like we get that from the language that Paul uses. Yeah, anathema means you're not saved. You're like not you a Christian. Cannot get to heaven. You cannot receive salvation from Christ this yeah. way. So that I mean. And I, you know, I've had conversations with Catholics before where it's like, well, am I, am I a Christian or am I not a Christian? Like, am I, which do you hold by? Do you hold by Trent or Vatican II? And I've not never gotten, because I understand, like I sympathize, like if you're a Catholic, you, and you recognize the tension there, mm-hmm. like you don't want to say anything against Trent, but like Vatican II is, is also good. Yeah. So it's like, you, there's a, there is a tension there and the tension mm-hmm. <laughs> Catholics, resolve your tension in your doctrine. I know that that's really funny coming from a Protestant, right? Resolve, and from us, like, resolve the tension in your doctrine right now. Your one denomination has this ultra-specific issue, but our hundreds of denominations are perfectly fine. Yeah, it's, it's just... I just need to know if I am a, or not a Christian. <laughs> according to you. According to I just wish Catholic you would overturn one of those. Just pick <laughs> one. Just, just pick, pick one. a side, man. Yeah. The Just devil owned the fence, it. right? Right. The devil owns the fence. Did you ever hear that analogy from like a sermon? Yeah, like oh, fence yeah. sitters are of the devil. Yeah, because like you're, oh, I'm just on the fence about Christianity. And then yeah. Jesus looks at you and he's like, oh, the devil owns the fence. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. I heard that so many times, man. I mean, it's fine, right? But yeah. So, it, oh, man. Protestantism, according to the Catholic Church, is kind of. A heresy i don't know do they like officially i guess i don't know if they like officially recognize it as a heresy but it definitely has a very rocky uh 
rocky relationship. Yeah, I don't understand. Um, I need a Catholic to show me how Protestantism makes Christ's work impossible. How yeah. it distorts the gospel in any way. Eventually, I know I keep promising this, we will have Catholics, Catholic guests on the podcast. Oh, man, to talk I about just this. want... I, oh, I uh, just want to talk to a Catholic. I want them to sit across the table or like next to us. Yeah. And I just want to ask them all these questions. Yeah. Just like, what it... And I get it, like... Oh, man. I understand the tension. I really yeah. do. And also, Catholics aren't monolithic either. I know Protestants right, view yeah. them that way because they have such a strong uh, notion of central authority in their church. But not all Catholics agree on everything all the time. And you are allowed to disagree on certain topics. Right. Just not every topic. <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> I guess you have to pick which one is better because, like, Catholics, you're like, okay, I literally can't disagree with uh the church on this and protestants can disagree with whatever and if you disagree you just go start another denomination i guess that's how it goes <laughs> you're like i'm just gonna go start my own church again <laughs> so both of which are not great i think <laughs> but that's a longer a longer discussion so protestantism is like kind of considered a heresy which is interesting because we don't um i don't feel like a heretic orthodox the Orthodox Church doesn't technically like it's a different relationship, and there's actually oh, Eastern Orthodox. Yeah, there's actually an interesting yeah, well, um, series of care? letters between uh, Martin Luther and some Eastern Orthodox bishops when he's around, where he's like, "Look at all we have in common," um, oh, and then dude. eventually the Eastern Orthodox are like, "No, we can't unite with you." But uh, I. Was I appreciate he trying to the, like softly like unite the church behind Catholicism's back. Um, I've never heard this before. Well, he was he was uh I think he wanted to like foster relationship, not that they the churches were going to unite, but he was just like, "Hey, I agree with you on like all these things. Can we be friends?" And then they go back and forth a lot cuz at first the the uh the EO bishops are like, oh, yeah, we do agree with all that. How, like, what do you think of this thing? And then they just go back and forth like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And then eventually they're like, oh, no, you're too different from us. We can't, like, be united with you mm -hmm. in ministry. But um, I appreciate the Eastern Orthodox position where it is, like, far more heavy-handed, put their foot down. Like, if you're not part of the Orthodox Church, then you're not Christian, which, like, I can respect that a little bit more than I can the flip flopping from the Catholics. <laughs> like the, <laughs> are we saved or are we not saved? I don't know. But an Eastern Orthodox I would just be like, yeah, you are like, not saved. <laughs> we have like these three like huge branches of Christianity. Yeah. Like Protestantism, Catholicism, and Orthodox Christianity. And every single one is like, yeah, we're the church. Yeah. Like we're the only church. And then you break down like Protestantism and like there's even like more like branches were like yeah we're the true church we're the ones who got it right yeah yeah and i'm so not funny. i'm not bashing protestantism i am proudly a protestant i protest and uh i believe the things <laughs> that i believe and as always i think that i'm right about things <laughs> 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 until i'm proven otherwise yeah yeah so all that to say i would love i eventually we'll have several catholic guests i hope because um I am fascinated by a lot of uh, Catholic theology and I don't ever like I corrected myself at the beginning. I don't ever want to mischaracterize like Catholics or the, or the Catholic yeah, I position. Mean, it's one thing if somebody says something and they explain it to you and you're like, Oh yeah, I just mm -hmm. don't agree with that. 
that's yeah. different than being like setting up the straw man and saying like this is what you believe and then like knocking it down and saying this is why i don't agree with this idea that i've created yeah like i would rather like talk to somebody and be like oh this is what you believe i that's cool like we're not cool and here's why and i just can't agree with that that's different than just being like no yeah yeah uh do you want to talk about this last one i've never heard of it this is like a modern one Oh, I okay. guess the the modern idea. Modern, we're still doing heresies, huh? I don't know, man. There, <laughs> there was still some. Them out. There was some Catholic dude who stood up and said the Trinity is bad and Jesus is just a good moral example. Some Catholic dude, huh? Somebody somewhere stood up. Well, I don't know anything about this other than I was like, there's a lot of um, modern churches who do teach that like Jesus wasn't God; he was just like a good. A good moral example. moral example. I think I honestly legitimately think that for a lot of modern evangelical churches, that's the height of Christology. Yeah. Is that Jesus hasn't really accomplished anything other than he's just been a good example for us to follow. Like right. practically that's where it ends. It isn't that he's like atoned for you, united you with the Father. It isn't that he's like made you like one with the body of Christ. It's that he's just a good moral example for you to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wrong. Which is wrong. I mean, it's it's right, but it's not the full picture. Yeah. Um, the, the Trinity is not bad. Jesus has atoned for the sins of the saints. Trinity, good. Uh, Christ uh, is sitting right now to advocate for the sins of the saints currently at the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. He defeated death. He conquered death. Like He Amen. reigns right now. He owns the world. He is king. Uh, and uh, he's more than just a good example for you to follow. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Thank th- you guys for tuning in. Yeah, I think we're done with this one, right? I well, don't even know how much time we've spent, but like... Yeah, that's the end of the list. I feel like... Um, so heresies are very hard. Again, if we have stated something in these past two episodes that you're like, oh, I believe that, we are not calling you out specifically. Heresy is willful, as Joe has said several times. It's just interesting to learn about the different ideas that have popped up in church history that we had very smart, very faithful people go yeah. like, oh Amen. no, that is incorrect. We should not believe that thing. So Yeah, we stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Right. We, as a church, there's a lot of things that we believe because people came and did the groundwork before us. And a lot of the times I'll have conversations with people and we'll talk about, it's like, oh yeah, it's really obvious based off of this Bible passage that like this is the right way to believe. And I'm like, yes. Uh, and you believe that so confidently right now, and this is obvious to you because we have about 2,000 years of church history of people working out that answer right? and what exactly that means. Yeah. Like this I Colossians mean, 1 passage with Arianism, right? Right. Even the Trinity. Like, yeah. we, can, we can state the Trinity now because there was so much heavy lifting done right. in service to get to the idea of the Trinity and like fully state it. So it is not something that like came easily to the early church or that like anybody can just like figure out on their own. Right. Yeah. And I, I just want to state if you go away and you sit in your room alone and you just decide that this is what you believe, you need to 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 like talk to people about what you believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Theology and scripture and Bible study is meant to be done in community with the church and that's why like even in the old testament god's like you need to read this law to the church or not to the church sorry to the people of israel like Mm -hmm. often 
because like church and theology and all of this community is meant to like hone and fine tune the things that we believe. And we're not meant to do that in isolation for each other. We're meant to have the body of Christ to be able to um, help us work out with what we believe about God with fear and trembling, right? So uh, don't just go away in a room and decide what you believe. Do your research and have conversations with people about it. So interpretation in community. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just be like a iron sharpens iron, right? Don't just be the person who's like, this is what I believe. Like have conversations about it with mm-hmm. people and do your theology and community and learn from those who have come before you. That doesn't mean that you have to accept everything that everybody else believes wholesale, but mm-hmm. um, just do your work. Do your work. Do your work. Be open do to being wrong. Your work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Be open to being wrong. Amen. All right. Well, All right. thanks for listening. We love you guys. Uh, thank you so much for watching these past couple weeks. We really love you if you've stuck around with us this long. Yeah. Eventually we should do an episode where it's like we take we take comments and questions and concerns from our our faithful listeners and talk about them. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that. I guess we'll we'll look into that yeah. in the future. We'll it's figure coming. that out somehow. Yeah. Maybe we'll All do right. like a standalone thing where we'll just put out like a four minute short where we're like, give us your questions and we'll answer them. Yeah. Or like That'd have a re- not That's answer, a have a response. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you have any ideas for like topics that we can talk about or anything, like please put it in the comments or respond to us on Instagram or uh, TikTok or wherever you've stumbled upon this video. Uh, yeah. And we'll see if we can like research stuff because we're pretty passionate about like scripture and theology and philosophy and all those kinds of stuff. Yeah. Even though Jordan jokes that I hate philosophy, I don't actually hate philosophy. Just apologetics. Yeah. I don't care much for apologetics. And I'm sure that I'll be smacked by my pastor for saying that. But, uh, <laughs> it's okay. All right. all right. Love you, mean it. Catch you later.